Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Show and Tell is the show where we like to bring on cool guests to talk about something cool that they are working on. And today's cool guests are none other than show fan favorite. You know, <laughs> you you love him. All right, we have once again Craig Campbell here to join us, but this time we're also joined by Shireen Gilchrist. Uh, so, oh, I can't believe, and the cool thing we're going to be talking about, the secrets or secrets of the vibrant aisle. All right. Welcome, folks. Hello. <laughs> All right. So, uh, everyone, you know, you know, Craig, you've heard Craig's story. You know what he does. Makes cool <laughs> games with Nerdburger games. But this is the first time we've had Shireen on the show. So I've got to know then. All right. Mm -hmm. So Shireen. All right. So before we kind of dive into this game that you're making, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How do you fit into this world of tabletop RPGs? Uh, I started gaming a very long time ago um, in high school. Uh, I ran. I met some guys who were playing AD and D. Uh, I also got into Shadowrun, uh, and then this was the '90s, and then. Um, and I had a good time, but you know, there was a lot of sexism. There was a lot of difficulty. It was, it was very annoying. And I had a, I had a really hard mm -hmm. time until I found the vampire, the masquerade game uh, and the, yeah. the LARP. And I got into that and then, and then I became kind of obsessed and uh, I started um, getting it because it was all the games I'd played so far were so tactical and you know military and it was all numbers and everything and then all of a sudden i had the world darkness which was all about role playing and i was like this is what i want this this part <laughs> and so i just as yeah. soon as i caught that i latched onto it and ever since then i've i've i haven't stopped uh, i've just been playing games uh all the time and i used to do a lot of writing for myself um I used to have an Angel Fire web page, and I'm a little bit sad, but a little bit not sad that uh, all of my old uh, Vampire the Masquerade fan fiction is gone. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I didn't really do any sort of official writing uh, until very, very recently. I did a lot of just sort of fan writing and making my own little adventures and running games and stuff. Um, and I more recently, uh, I started writing for, um, I just randomly applied to write for uh, a game called O-Run. And once I started doing that, um, I randomly, I think through them, connected with Craig. Uh, and he was looking for some writers for Capers. And uh, so I jumped on that and it turned out that Craig is a super awesome guy and I love him. And Capers is an amazing game. It's so much fun. I had so much fun writing for it. And so I've written a bunch of adventures and stuff since then. Um, but yeah, I love working with Craig and his games are fun and he's, yeah, cool. he's just been a, he's been a great inspiration for me. So I do a bit of streaming here and there, but yeah. Craig, don't let it get to your head. Okay, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Shereen, I have to ask you then. So, all right. So I love vampires. All right. And it was this when I first got into gaming, all right, there was this whole, you know, it's that it's that whole thing where people are like, well, at least I'm not larking. It's that it's but in reality, oh. it's like, I know, right? I now there's this something that appeals to me so much about i want to do a vamp i have wanted to do a vampire oh, for such a long so time fun. all right because there's so there's like this edgy part of me that just really wants yeah. to do it so i have to ask you do you is that i know COVID and everything do you still get time to larp oh no i haven't larped in ages um <sighs> it but it, it, back in the day we had a game of over 100 people at one point uh we were meeting at the university. Uh, That's a lot of vampires. Yeah. And uh, a number of people in our group actually went on to work in um, movies and uh, like doing special effects and costuming and stuff like that. Uh, because we, we had a few that actually went just all out. Um, and I, I learned I, I can do some 
some basic uh, special effects makeup and things like that. Uh, because, sorry, my cat is kind of going nuts in the background here. Um, it's okay. We've all got that crazy cat. I've got one too that comes in and we'll just like bob. Found a feather. I know, I know the feeling. That's so funny. So I have to, <laughs> so, so obviously, so Craig, then how did you, uh, so obviously Shireen started working on capers. How did you guys connect then? Well, I think we met playing in little red dots capers game when Ooh, she ran right. a little yeah. campaign. Um, and then it was a little, and that was kind of like right after capers came out and I was trying to get it promoted and stuff and see, get people to see it. And, and, uh, little red dot who runs, um, has her own stream and um, has become like recently, what is it? She's like this, the, the streaming manager for um, Kobold press now. Um, but she, yeah, like Shireen and I, and she's at Gen Con this weekend. And yeah, Shireen and I um, met through that. And then we just kind of like, we hit it off, like just immediately just like got along really well and kind of kept in touch. And we live, you know, a thousand miles apart. But um, when I was looking for, freelancers for um capers noir the first uh, uh, supplement for capers um i bounced it off of shireen and she said yeah and then you know she she did that so poorly that she also got hired <laughs> to work on capers covert and capers off world so it all worked out really yeah. really well well it's that's awesome so y'all y'all are working together again so craig then give us what's the elevator pitch of secrets of the vibrant isle okay tom have you ever wanted to have a role-playing game adventure and you're stuck in your house and you can't go visit other people? Yes. For 18 months. Yes. <laughs> um, and even after, <laughs> and even after we kind of start to see each other more in person, you know, there'll be times when you don't have, uh, when you just like, you, you, you want to scratch the RPG itch and you don't have a regular game scheduled and you can't get people pulled together. So you can play a solo game and there's a lot of different ones out there. There's a lot of different types. Um, a lot of them lean toward journaling um, where you're kind of telling a story like narrating a story that, and the game provides you with, with guidance and prompts and things. And um, Secrets of the Vibrant Isle um, is a solo game like that. Um, it's a little bit heavier and, and denser than um, some of the, 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 the solo games that are out there. But you can think of it basically like a cross between kind of a rules light traditional RPG and a choose your own adventure game or choose your own adventure book, right? So you'll make, you make a lot of different choices of, of what you're going to do with your little character who is stranded on this island. Um, and uh, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, different paths you can go down with exploring the island or scavenging the shipwreck, um, reaching out to meet the inhabitants on the island, um, creating protections for your camp and all this sort of thing. And you're building all of that up with the uh, intention of hopefully kind of earning a place on the island. Um, the, the assumption is your character sought this place out and now you are shipwrecked here, but the island is mysterious and magical and doesn't let everybody stay. So you have to prove yourself as being worthy of, of staying. And you've got four weeks in game time to do that. I like that. It's kind of flipped the, the, flip the idea on its head of being stranded. Most of the time you think you're stranded on an island. You're, you're, yeah. You know, you've got some... You're, you're, it's, it's some lost stuff. Yeah. You're like, oh, I got to get off the island. Here you're trying to earn mm -hmm. your place well, we, to stay. I think we we didn't really want it to be very like gritty and grim dark. And, yeah. and, and so we sort of tried to avoid putting people in situations where they would have like really intense, you know, bad feelings. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when we were sort of thinking of this concept of, of being on an island, it's like, well, if you're stranded there, that's kind of a bummer to start out with, right? Because then you have to be like, oh, no, oh, my family, blah, blah, blah. But if you're like, no, I came here on purpose, I've planned this, then it's like, oh, no, no issues, nothing to worry about. You know, you've, this is on purpose. I like that. Uh, but the idea is that the, the, you, you, can get on a boat and head in the vague direction of the island, but then you just sort of black out and wake up and you're there. So nobody, so you can't, if you come back, you couldn't tell anyone how you got there. I like it. So before we dive too much into the island and whatnot, Shereen, I wanted to ask you then, what is, 
what's your experience been for like solo RPGs and why do these types of games appeal to you? Well, this like concept of a solo RPG is pretty new to me, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, I immediately love it. I am the kind of person who loves prompts. Um, I have a really vast imagination. And if someone says like, write me something, I have 5,000 ideas. I can't narrow it down. I need parameters. So I like being given those sorts of things. And I also have a background uh, in um, child and youth care and education. And so uh, I also immediately thought of a number of ways to use this uh, in a non-solo way um, as well. Like, But I also feel like Solo journaling can also really help you explore a lot of things that you might not be comfortable with exploring with other people. And so this, although this game is presented as very light and, um, you know, you and it really doesn't have to be dark all if you don't want it to be, you can absolutely, yeah. Yeah. if you feel like it, get real heavy, go for it you know, and I, I like sort of having that spectrum. So if you're in a mood and you want to cheer yourself up and you just want a really happy story with rainbows and unicorns, great, do that, cheer yourself up, you know? But if you're like, I, I really got to get deep in my brain right now, you know, <laughs> I got to get, get in there and shovel out some of that muck, then, um, you know, and you can do that as safely with yourself. And I, I like the the sort of safety of that you don't have to worry about you know you get to a boundary and you just stop it's you there's yeah. no one no one no one to sort of push you it's just you yeah exactly it's kind of as far as you want to go mm. with yourself that's super cool uh so i have to so i gotta so so follow up then for for craig then so this is kind of the which Shereen has kind of talked about this whole like idea of you're playing the game by yourself. There's chances to internalize it, but that, that may be the feeling that be, is being invo- evoked, but what's the, what is the experience like? So somebody gets secrets of secrets of the vibrant aisle. They get it. They sit down with it. What is that experience? Like, is this a one-time game through? Is this like a multiple session? What, what's it look like to sit down and play this game? Okay, so there's there's essentially multiple ways to play. Um, like the way I kind of think of it is there's like you can play it like a like a, a short adventure game where you're just gonna go and have a little adventure. You're gonna um, create your character, um, roll some dice, make some decisions, build up your resources, you know, uh, befriend the inhabitants, do all the things you need to do, and try to win quote unquote win the game right in that four four week in game time period that you have. Um, and you can play that game in about two hours and the game is designed in such a way that it's very easy for you to do that in small chunks. So if you want to do a half an hour at lunch for four days or five days, you could do it that way. Um, there's also information provided in the game book about, um, journaling and mapping in conjunction with that and just take your character and be like, Oh, I'm good. My character is going to map the Island as I explore. And, um, I'm going to, uh, like write a journal for this character. And that kind of, that's the long play version of the game. Right. And that's, that gets to a little bit of what Shireen said about how you could kind of take it whichever direction you want. If you want to have your narration of what's going on, be kind of more about like, this is you know, darker and foreboding and there's there's like uh you know more difficult things that your character your, your character's struggling a lot um you can you can define it that way in your uh in your journaling and if you want to just be like oh my character is a happy little wanderer who's exploring this wonderful island you can do that as well um or anywhere in between um and then uh that that version of the game can take three four five six i mean it, it can take quite a few hours it depends on how many you know, or how, uh, you know, how long, how big your, your journaling is, you know, like if you, do you write up a, a page for every exploration that you go on? Yeah. Do you write just a paragraph? Um, and then, um, there's, uh, as far as replayability goes, the, the game is designed in such a way that there's a number of components that will change significantly from each, you know, each time you play it. Um, 
there you, you can make your character different every time. So you've got different stats and things. So you're better at certain things, worse at others. So you'll have a different experience there. Um, you can, uh, uh, when you encounter the inhabitants, you'll actually sort of create them as you go. Part of the inhabitant uh, thing is actually kind of more world building. Like the inhabitants aren't described in the game book as like they are this type of people. There's a series of encounters and each time you encounter them, you you add more to them and you decide what they what, what, what they're like. There's a lot of different options or you can come up with some stuff on your own. So every time you play, you can have a completely different experience with the inhabitants. And then there's 90 encounters um, for explorations in the game, and you're not going to go through all of them in a given game session. Um, and then you will fail some and succeed at others. And the next time you play, you might be vice versa, or you might not see any of those encounters at all. Um, and then on top of it, you know, if you've played it a few times and then you set it aside and six months from now, you pick it up and play it again, we're humans things get lost to the yeah. uh to the memory and time and you'll you'll you know potentially kind of forget some of the stuff that you ran into the first time around and you, so there's there's i think there's a fair amount of replayability to it um it's it's um it was designed specifically to kind of accommodate that and that's why there's so many encounters and i mean there's 40 pages worth of of just encounters of different things yeah the nice thing is that you know you need all you need is dice and something to write on so you could play it on a tablet with the pdf and you know a a, a, an, a writing thing open and uh maybe a you know a dice roller uh, or if you're an artist and you want to draw you want to map you want to sketch out your characters you want to you know pull out your art supplies if you want to just sit and you know write everything but really all you're gonna need like absolute basics is just something to write on and some dice in the book so i want to ask you guys this then so i like to ask this of everyone all right uh is was there what was the, so you're creating this game uh this, this this secrets of the vibrant isle this this journaling game somewhat uh it's just solo game but what was the inspir was there any inspirations for this game as far as pulp culture other games i find that this kind of this kind of helps our listeners really kind of know where you all were coming from this well and we can speak to like individual pieces of the yes. game but like over and we'll, we'll get to that because i know shireen has things to say about that but the overall basically came out of three things one was um I had been looking for an idea for something to do with a game that was akin to Lost, the TV show. So that was that's been in the back of my head for a couple of years. Um, number two was uh, I came across the artwork of Gemma Moratia, who is at Ashen Wave on um, Twitter. And I thought her artwork was really uh, lovely and fancy and fanciful. And uh, it was like a lot of these really deep, saturated colors, um, fantastical stuff, kind of all out of her imagination. She wasn't doing like fan art of anything specific. It's just like what she came up with. And I thought this artwork needs to be in a game book. I just need a game yeah. that fits the art. Um, and then my friend Derek Kamal um, did a Kickstarter for a solo game called The Broken Cask earlier this year, um, which is a like a tavern owner game where you play a tavern owner, you kind of take care of the tavern, you run the tavern and you send adventurers off on quests and um, all that sort of thing. And it's the idea of like, he, he referred to it. And I think people have used this terminology for like a lot of certain types of video games too, is cozy gaming, where it's just like, oh, you sit down and you have a nice time with this thing. Um, and it all sort of came together with that, where it's like, oh, I could do a solo game. Oh, this could be the lost thing. You shipwreck, up on, shipwreck on an island. So initially I was thinking it was going to be more like dark and like, oh, my God, it's a mystery. And how do you get off the island and so forth? And then as I was percolating all those ideas, I was flipping through Twitter. and I was like, there's Gemma's artwork. And I was like, no, that's that's the answer. Like this, this could be based off of her artwork where it's going to be much more fanciful. And that's what I took with uh, me to when when Sharina and I started talking about um, working on this, which was to to make it a little more light um, and kind of fanciful 
And, you know, it has its darker moments here and there. There are parts, uh, you know, like you, you can uh, run into some fell beasts um, on the island, but there's all sorts of like really kind of lovely, wacky, um, like fae. Like that's a broad term, like this, yeah, you know, just this kind of, you know, fanciful. And- Honestly, it's psychedelic. And I know, I know a lot of people associate, I know a lot of people associate that concept with drug use right but it's not it's a it is a style and it's the the sun this concept is more uh, surrealism you know things are just not quite real just sort of slightly left of reality everything's a little weird but everything's (laughs) a little weird and things don't I feel like people don't really understand that things being sort of psychedelic and trippy. And again, those are, you know, very heavy connotation words, but if you sort of take them away from concept of drug use, just think of the idea of that. Um, And then, you know, that, that has that aspect of being beautiful and terrifying. And I, I like sort of that vibe. I was kind of leaning into that because that was very much what I was getting from the art, too. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense because I, that word psychedelic, and I get what you're saying, how the whole idea we associate it with like almost like a, a drug trip. But I also, when I think of like uh, just what, I, what I've what i known and read about certain things, even like ayahuasca, it's in this the whole idea of mm. it's almost like a internalized in this internal personal journey mm-hmm. and it's like what you're trying to discover and that's kind of mm-hmm. i was really getting that from this game so yeah. there's this whole idea of like it, it really was even though there's the inhabitants and everything but it was it's all about i felt like what my character would find mm-hmm. on the island so i think yeah it's an interesting sure. way to put it yeah and and i think that that has i mean as a kid i grew up in the 80s and my parents were hippies in the 60s and so i grew up exposed to a lot of psychedelic artwork um which i still love and and kids just love it it's it's even if they don't understand you know the symbolism why are there a bunch of mushrooms on it whatever they're they look cool they're all purple and green right (laughs) yeah so you know, growing up as a kid, you're just fascinated by it. And a lot of that artwork is, is neat, is very intricate. There's a lot of stuff going on. It takes you a really long time to kind of sit there and figure out all of the little details. And so when I'm picturing this, when I pictured this island as I was writing it, that's sort of what I was imagining. I was imagining, you know, if you saw a, a clearing, you know, in this field, every tiny part of it would just be absolutely covered in something, some kind of detail and texture. And there would be, you know, and it would all just be ever so slightly unreal. And that I love that because I can just leave you in the air because that can be such a beautiful, um, you know, kind of transcendental feeling. And yet also, it's horrifying because it's not real, you know? So you're like, what's that? Yeah. So that was kind of what I was, I think that was sort of a little bit of where I was coming from when I was writing it a little bit. No, I get, um, I get that. I think it's super, I think, yeah, I, that's one of the things I, I want to know. Like, And I think it was, that's also like a style that just isn't around much right now. It's just not a, you know, it's just not no, out I, there. I totally get that. So I wanted to kind of, I kind of wanted to like that that line between you know making it kid friendly, you know, and yes. adult friendly at the same time, right? Totally got that. I totally got that vibe, and I don't want to. I I don't like comparing other games to other things that designers have worked on because I, I I think about um and I'm oh, Craig and I'm blanking on the game that you did just recently. It's not. It's the one before Noorville. <laughs> What was the what was the game right before that? The really whimsical game. Uh, good, good strong, hand. good strong yes, hands. Good strong hands, and I don't want to like. So I don't want to compare like because apples and oranges, different games and everything. But yeah, I, I definitely it's this this whole idea of this this whimsy to it as well on the island that I was kind of getting. So I want to. That's all the cool stuff that we we love all that we love all that uh, the feelings behind the game and everything. But 
And I could talk about that for a long time, but a lot of listeners like to know the boring bits, which are, what's the core <laughs> mechanic here? Um, well, the it's it's essentially a, a rules like traditional RPG in, in some senses. There's Your character has four traits um, that are discover, interact, learn, and survive. Um, and everything that you're going to do on the island is going to be built off of making trait checks with those. And you'll roll um, uh, a 10-sided die and add a bonus based on whatever your trait is. And then if you have any equipment or anything that gives you a bonus as well, um, or if you have a little critter helper that gives you a bonus, um, you can add to that as well. Um, and you've got a target number to shoot for. And, and like, in so in the, the various explorations, there's many of them are like, you know, here's the setup of kind of what the, what you discover. Here's the little twist of like what makes it challenging or a threat or something like that. Um, and then you'll make a check and that, that check will result in like something detrimental happening to you or something beneficial happening to you. Um, and then some of the, uh, the explorations are also just things like, well, you, you go here and you do this and you gain something, or you go here and you do this and you lose something. There's a lot of, um, like there's a lot of variety because like I said, there's a lot of encounters. There's 90 of them. Um, and, uh, while you're doing all of that, like I said, you can gain, um, there's equipment, there's um, magical blessings that can give you bonuses to things. There's, you can gain little friends, little helpers, little creatures that come along and, and help you um, like Rompy the Dancing Llama. Um, and uh, then there's, there's, there's downside stuff too. There's curses and there's creatures that come along and they're nuisances instead. They cause problems for you until you can get rid of them. Um, for your character, though, then in addition to your traits, you have three uh, basically pools of resources, um, one uh, called worry, wonder, and willpower. And as you encounter things that make your character a little more trepidatious, a little more concerned, your worry might go up as you uh, your character discovers things that are that are kind of awesome and really uh, fill you with uh, glee and and um, and happiness, you'll gain wonder. And then there's also willpower. And you can spend those points to do different things in the games to manipulate how different dice rolls take place. Um, and so, uh, you know, as you play, you'll like it, it, each, each time you play, you might find yourself with different combinations of those. So you'll be, you'll be more likely to do certain things than others because you just have more points of, of a certain type to play too. So that also will kind of vary your experience. If you get a lot of worry and you spend those points a lot, it's going to push you into uh, the darker parts of the island um, to face your fears and alleviate that worry. Yeah, with the encounters, this definitely, uh, and I'm not sure if this is what you were all were going for, but it, so out of all the solo RPGs that I've played, there's uh, this is this is this is a substantial one, but like you said, a, a large part of this text is all of these cool, unique encounters, and I was able to read through this and understand the rules. Um, pretty easily, but it definitely gave me a, I definitely got a strong, like, like you were saying earlier, more of, more of a traditional RPG kind of vibe from it because of the whole idea of the, the randomness of the encounters and then the, the target numbers. So is that something, were you trying to intentionally make it more of a traditional, traditionally feeling RPG instead of a more narrative approached uh, solo journaling game um well it was for for the for the scope of what i was kind of thinking the game could be like i i was you know thinking about choose your own adventure which has you know you there's a lot of there's a lot of endings right if you play yes. if you ever read a choose your choose your own adventure book there's a lot of different endings there's a lot of different twists that direction that things can go and so it felt like you know like a random uh, you know, like a more traditional approach to RPGs, but as but light, like right, four traits, just a few point uh, kind mm -hmm. of uh, points to keep track of, makes it easy, um, it easy to identify. Like the anybody who knows uh, role playing games is going to figure that out. They're going to read it and be like, oh yeah, this is like that other game, except it's just much simpler. Um, and so uh, you know, it, it like the hybrid aspect of it, I think. Um, lends itself well to the, the overall intent and hope that your character is going to kind of go off and encounter all of these different things. Um, Cause you need to find some way to decide, okay, well, the, do they encounter a or B or C or D 
Yeah, I never liked that in the um, in the choosing art adventures that you know it was just up to yeah. you, right? It would just it would just pick one, two, or three, and I'm like, well, but how do I choose? Like, how am I supposed to know which one of these? There's there's no clues sort of given to as to which is better or worse or what, and I it was all it also came a little bit out of uh, I don't mm-hmm. like heavy mechanics. I'm not a heavy mechanics person. It's just not my, it's not, that's not my kind of game. And um, I like, but like I said before, I like parameters. I like, so I love the dice rolling and, and, you know, when Craig came up with this system, I just, it was so simple and it just made so much sense. And, and, you know, to me, I, I almost imagine it like when I was sort of playing through my first version of it I was almost imagining like myself as a little video game character like just kind of bopping through this yeah world it definitely has that that and, yeah that, uh, kind of like a with the encounters almost like a platformer so I have to ask then because you talked about the 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 whole idea of having those constraints then uh so I'm not sure who's the best person to answer this but this is one of the <laughs> co- coolest things here all right so there is a four-week time constraint in this game that this is how I expressed it based on how I read it with a binary conclusion where you're either you stay on the island or the island expels you. So let's talk about that. What was the design intent for doing it that way? Um, well, I think it came down to kind of, again, calling back to choose your own adventures that there's like you succeed at doing the thing or some weird thing happens that kind of takes you in a different direction or like, or your character dies or, you know, like you, you completely fail at whatever the, the story is about. Um, it, uh, the, it, in the, in the earliest iteration in my head of, of everything, I didn't have a specific like end game in mind. I was like, you could just play this and play this and play this. And I found myself like it helped to give it a goal so that you had something to shoot for. You had something that you were working specific that you were working toward. Um, and that it also puts sort of a cap on how long you're going to play the game and that increases replayability because if you just, you know, explore until you hit everything that there is and, you know, all in one, uh, play of the game where you just character just goes out and finds everything, (laughs) um, then, you know, that, that, that's it. Okay. You're, you've kind of played the game. There's, um, where I think that, uh, having an end game to, to shoot toward, to shoot at, um, gives you that gives you a goal to uh to to limit all of that and something to focus on and then there's alternate rules in the game as well where you can like i'll I'll be honest like the uh the four the four week version not incredibly hard to win to like you get to stay on the island not too not too difficult but there's alternate rules in there for well you could do it in only three weeks you can do it in only two weeks like you want to play hard mode (laughs) we're gonna speed run it yeah. Okay. Now, now, now do this in two weeks. Yeah, you can do that. Or, I mean, even if you just felt like doing the entire thing all at once, you know, it's yeah. the great thing about it. It's your game. You play it however you want, but the suggestion is there, I think just a sort of, um, I think, I think because it it is a, because it's a personal game, you know, you kind of wanted to have a beginning and I don't know, it just felt more, it felt like it made more sense to have some kind of ending. And um, also there isn't uh, another optional personal goal that your character can achieve. So even if you end up uh, not being able to stay on the island, you could have achieved your character's personal goal. Uh, and so we had, we added a small sort of personal goals, like, um, you know, you're an artist and you want to paint an incredible painting of the island for you you know, you want to bring back a plant sample or something like that. So you have these sort of um, different personal motivators because we were sort of thinking of like, why would you want to be there? And yeah, so we just, it would, it, it all really just came out of the real basic, absolute basic questions. Here's a cool place that we thought of. Why would you want to go there? Okay. Now you're there. What do you do? Here's a bunch of stuff to do. Okay, now at some point you probably have to go home. So why do you go home? Right, here's some reasons. Okay, <laughs> you know, and and so you just, you know, start with those absolute basics and then go from there. And uh, and, and of course, you know, if you, uh, you can 
continue yeah, writing like, all you like. You can frank, write around fr- and come frankly, right back, you know? <laughs> nobody who's playing this game needs our permission to just keep going. You can just yeah. you can throw the four week thing away and just like I'm just going to keep going until I discover everything there is to discover. Um, if that's the way you if that's the way you want to play it, I think it just works with the numbers RPG sort of aspect of it. If you think of it as sort of just like a little mini game, it's like a little a little mini game that you could sit on your phone and and play for a little while and do this little adventure and then you're done. It is a little bit of an analog yeah. video game where you know you've you've got a you've got a win condition, but you could also just go around and find all the secret doors, you know, and find 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 all the little all the little hidden things, and you you know. I yeah, I really do like that. I feel like for soloing games, because you don't have a GM to kind of give you those guideposts and everything, having these like these clearly defined like, hey, this is the, this is the structure. That you're going to use. I think when I've played solo games, it's just really helped me drive me. Like you were saying, Craig, there's an end goal. There's something that I'm trying to, there's something that I'm trying to get to. So, but to get to that end goal is the, the big chunk of this game and what decides if you stay on the island or leave the island. It's all kind of through the, this, this framework of encountering inhabitants. All right. So, uh, Shireen or Craig, do one of you guys want to walk, walk us through the process of encountering the inhabitants on the island? Um, well, there's multiple ways to do it. Um, the uh, To start with, you kind of have to accidentally discover them. Um, and the way that works is if you're going to go, if one, one of the things you can do is explore the island when you take your actions during a given day. And if you, uh, you'll roll percentile dice. And if you roll doubles, you encounter the inhabitants and that's, and so the other that's, so that's 10 of the results and the other 90 are the other explorations that we've been talking about. Um, and when you encounter the inhabitants for the first time, you go to the first page of the inhabitants encounter section and it guides you through kind of like, well, you get a glimpse of them from far away. So you can kind of see what they look like, but that's about it. And you define that. And then each time that you encounter the inhabitants after that, you add more and more detail to that until you finally get to the fifth encounter um, with them where they invite you to their, see their community. You define what their community is like, um, figure out kind of what they, what they as a people call themselves. This is again, all world building that you're kind of creating them uniquely each time you play. Um, and you become friends with one of them. Um, and they inc- accompany you from that point forward on your uh, travels around the Island. Um, and then once you, once you've at least, met them once you can also uh, seek them out as one of your actions so you can make a check that will allow you to go and try to find them um so once you start once you once you encounter them once it just kind of spirals into like you're gonna it it shouldn't be too hard to encounter them all five times but i really like the process of encountering them because uh, you know you're imagining you're you're walking through the jungle you know all these dense forests and then some something goes by and right and that's it that's all you see is it some kind of human humanoid type figure maybe and then you know and i love that build up because it really lets you how how are you reacting to that are you scared by it are you fascinated by it are you like I need to get very far away from that thing. Or are you like, I need to know what that is, you know, what's your attitude. And I love that concept of that. And then even if, if you look at the, um, uh, the actual like PDF, um, each encounter has uh, a little bit of things. So like the first one, all you get is size and form. So like, are they sort of, human are they made of crystals are they made of rocks are they five feet tall are they eight feet tall are they two feet tall that's it that's all you get you know and uh and i liked that so i just i really like the um the build-up of it because it it it's a fun it it's a fun little world building way to do it instead of just here is fully formed yeah person you know here is fully formed creature you you sort of build it in tiny increments. 
this progressive world building is pretty cool. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to make the uh, Craig, you said it was going to be inspiration was lost. So my inhabitants are going to be the Dharma initiative. I'm going to have a bunch of smoke <laughs> monsters just running around everywhere. <laughs> well, the, the, the inhabitants, like the, how you first, how you slowly learn more about the inhabitants is like one of the things that's probably strongest still kind of held over from lost where there's a point when you're watching lost where the characters are like, there are other people on this Island, but you don't know a great deal about them. And then the first time you encounter them in any sort of significant way, like they're threatening. So that could easily be like the sec one of the like the second or third and second encounter where you um, you get a look a good look at them and they're they're you know like very strange and like they might have horns or something like they or or claws or scaly hide or something that you know you can play it a lot of different ways and and it's it's set up with you've got a random table that you can you know randomly generate um, all of these different uh, kind of uh, people building world building for the inhabitants. Um, or you can just, it, it says right in the book or just pick the one that appeals to you most right now. So you could actually kind of, you know, just kind of craft something that's a little scary, or you could craft something that's like, oh, they're flouncy and wonderful. And, you know, they have names like bum, they have names like bumblebee and, <laughs> or I, I don't even know how to relate to you. You're made out of, <laughs> you know, you're made out of crystal and <laughs> yeah. you, you climb trees and, <laughs> and communicate through psychic vibrations or something. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, you can, uh, you know, and I, I think another another thing that we, we really tried to do in this um, was keep our descriptions, all of our creature descriptions, very, very loose. Um, and we didn't want, we tried our hardest not to sort of in, uh, invoke any kind of cultural um, backgrounds or ideas or concepts with any of these. So if if it is a humanoid figure with wings, that's it. That's up to you to interpret. If you're a Judeo-Christian person and you, you know, the first thing that pops into your head is, is, a, you know, an angel with feathery wings, or maybe you think of a fae, or, you know, maybe there's some other creature from, you know, your culture that is a humanoid figure with wings, right? And we wanted that to just be open to interpretation so that we weren't pushing an idea, an image into your head. Yeah. You know, so we tried really hard to kind of keep those descriptions as open enough, like descriptive enough that you know what it is, but not um, not sort of try to codify it as a specific thing. It's not a gremlin or a an orc or a whatever. It's yeah, I, I my last pass at the at editing before sending it off to the proper editor was to get word get rid of like well this guy's not an ogre he's you know like he's a he's a beast okay. he's like you know just a big bipedal beast um, um rather than specifically saying ogre because ogre invokes particular you know a particular look look and feel from somebody who has played D or somebody who um has played you know another game that might have an ogre in it or 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 some uh um, culture where there's like an ogre as a, you know, is, is a mythological thing um, or part of, uh, you know, you know, part of the culture in some way like that. So I mean, and I'll probably, I'll probably give the whole thing one more read through even after the editor to make sure that I avoided um, those. Although, although something might slip through, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the word, the word pixie might be in there somewhere. I'm going to, I tried to make sure it wasn't, but uh, no promises. Yeah. No promises. Yeah. yeah. But we wanted, I, I, and especially because I was, I was also imagining um, sort of being able to share this with kids. I, I, it's really important. I think that kids are able to see their own culture in things. Yeah. And so, you know, sort of giving these, these nice blank templates, you, you know, it allows you to insert if you want to explore, you know, your cultural mythology, throw your cultural mythology at it. If you want to explore creating out of whole cloth your own bizarre creatures go for it you know or if you have i you know a mead piece of media and you want all the characters to be like that like do that too so you know that was it was sort of yeah we try fingers crossed <laughs> that came out um yeah let your imagination run wild that's kind of what i was that's what i was getting so we're from oh this yeah game. Absolutely. So, absolutely. <laughs> Super cool. So we've, we've kind of heard about the game at this point. People are like, Hey Tom, 
where can I go find this really cool game? <laughs> so let's talk about that. So as of this podcast release, the Kickstarter is currently live. All right. So uh, Nerdburger Games is no stranger to Kickstarter. So, Craig, can you kind of tell us a little bit what's this Kickstarter going to look like? Um, really simple. Everything we've just talked about. <laughs> Um, plus like, you know, information on, uh, we'll be produced, we'll be uh, producing a PDF, um, and, uh, also a soft cover. There's one backer level that gets you the PDF and a print code to get the, the soft cover at cost. If you want to do that, um, the plan is here to have the, I think the, the PDF is going to be, I don't want to say the preferred way, way to play, but we're shooting for it being a really good way to play, which is to say, it's going to be fully bookmarked. There's going to be links like, uh, uh, to page numbers and things like on the pages themselves where it's important. So that you'll be able to navigate the PDF very quickly, um, to get to explorations of different numbers, to get to encountering the inhabitants, to get to you know, go back and check the rules again, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, the kind of the way we've laid the book out is like, we've got, it's like two page compartmentalization. Like there's two page spreads of like, here's everything, here's the whole rules. And then here's everything you need to know about character creation. And then here's, you know, like each, each, each component has, it's like, you, you don't have to dig around all over the book to find things. Um, and so it'll be all bookmarked and linked up. And then the character sheet will, uh, be f uh, a form fillable PDF as well. So you could ostensibly play the entire game on your tablet or your computer screen um, as long as you have a dice roller and all you need are uh, is a dice roller that will roll d10s or and also percentile dice pretty pretty, pretty straightforward uh <laughs> the so this is this is uh the like i said one of my favorite parts about this was the explorations you have a ton of explorations but this game just screams like it could use more. You can always have more. Like, do you guys have any plans for to have more explorations, more helpers, more blessings, etc. in the future? Or is this kind of like, I know I, I don't want to like speak for the future too much, but like, have you thought about that? Oh, well, the kind of want to see how people take to the game first. Um, <laughs> But I mean, if they like it, it shouldn't be too hard to add more. Well, I guess. What, what I'm thinking is like, like Shereen says, we got to let's see how the Kickstarter does. Let's see how the, the game is received. Um, the game itself, as it as it is, is kind of tightly written. Yes. Right. You've got percentile dice and doubles get you in, uh, inhabitants and every other number gets you encounters. Um and there's a set number of this and that, and it kind of comes out to a nice page count and it, you know, it's going to be a page count that's easily printable. Um, and uh, because that's the kind of thing publishers have to deal with is multiples of six, everybody for this size book. Um, and, but here's the thing um, without giving any too, too much away. If you, if you, if you like this game, if you go, you back it, if you enjoy it, help us make it um, a success. Um, there is uh, an idea percolating in my head for a sequel. Okay, I mean we got we already got like ten versions of Capers, so we know, <laughs> so we know you can only like, five. <laughs> so no, no, that's super cool. I, I like I said, I just like the I just like the encounters. They're very, it's just they just to be they're sat, super satisfying to read. It's it's kind of like they're kind of like popcorn to me. They're just super sure, super simple. They really get your imagination going. So I Oh, that I makes me like so it. happy to hear. The, yeah, because uh, Shireen wrote most of them. Oh, really? <laughs> that was oh, that good. was her big, big, her, 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 the, the larger part of her contribution was we we worked. I like basically I worked out the system. We brainstormed a lot of stuff together, and then like the reason that I brought um, a, a, a co-writer, co-designer on for this was I was afraid I'm going to have to write 90 encounters. Like the, I'm afraid that they're going to start to sound kind of the same. That I'm not going to yeah. like hit all the imaginative places that I could go because you know one imagination isn't necessarily going to you know get everywhere. So I thought, well, let's bring in another imaginative brain and have that person write a whole bunch of stuff too. So Shireen wrote like more, more of the encounters than I did by quite a bit, like twice as many of the encounters oh, they were that fun. I did. They were yeah. They're definitely way different. I mean, separated by one page, we have 
underwater home renovation. And then on the next page, we have floating stones dance party. All right. (laughs) And and like those may sound a little bit like silly, but like there is all sorts of stuff in here. Like you've got your more traditional, like skeletal remains and some other kind of, it's, it's, yeah, I just, I dug it. The, okay, this is also kind of a running gag on show and tell where when designers come on, I'm sorry, I like to ask them to do stuff for me for the games that they're making so like dance monkey I dance know, i know right it's 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 ridiculous so oh gosh i want for this game all right i know there's people are there's there's lots of different opinions about stretch stretch goals whether they should or shouldn't be in a game and all this other kind of stuff but i want i want a journal i want a custom journal for this game okay okay <laughs> all right so if this does buku dollars give me the option for a custom journal and i'll grab the pdf all right. So yeah. but anyway, <laughs> give me a custom journal. Okay. All right. That, that, uh, that sounds doable. Also, ooh. Fancy. says says the person who's not the publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it. I'll talk. No, I, I have no idea what I'm talking. Oh, okay. I have no idea what I'm right. talking about. I went decks of playing cards of the encounters. Okay? <laughs> oh my gosh. Great. Craig's just like thinking about the logistical nightmare that that would be. more demands. <laughs> okay. Oh, and those. Oh, decks of playing cards. Those aren't shippable by media mail. So they're expensive to ship. I know, right? Nobody likes that. So I guess before we we wrap up, uh, Shireen or Craig, is there anything else that you need to get off your chest and tell people about this game? I don't know. I just, I really want, I want to hear um, about people's, I want to read people's stories. I want to hear about their monsters. I want to hear about their creatures. I want to hear about what they came up with. You know, I I want to see these blank slates filled in. That's that's kind of my most exciting thing. Uh, what I am going to be doing is uh, I will be writing my own version uh, of this. I'll be posting up. I'm going to write a sort of um, like long form journal of it so people can sort of see how it's written that's super Um, cool yeah uh oh but i did want to mention the my thought about using it with a group uh so uh my thoughts you know having worked with kids and that sort of thing uh or you know if you've got a group of people uh who you can all write it together so there's a number of ways you could do that uh you could present the um the main so I, you would sort of present the concept and the roles and everything uh to the group and then either the group could write everything individually or you could write a story together um and so especially with younger children that would be you know a lot of fun you could sort of use this as a as a way of um getting everybody to sort of collectively write a story uh and and using the sort of using the book as a prompt. Um, and, and you know, like we said, we, we did write it uh, to be friendly for children. Um, there's nothing outright terrifying. There's no sex in it. There's nothing inappropriate for children in it. But uh, it's also not like something that an adult would find very patronizing to read. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could share it with your kids, but you're going to enjoy it just as much. I hope. <laughs> that's, that's what we went for. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. <laughs> that is the hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, it's super cool. I, I, I dig it. I dig it a lot. So uh, Craig, final thoughts. Oh boy. Um, this, uh, it's it's interesting because every one of my games is generally I can I, I say this all the time there it's like I come up with a challenge for myself like write a game write a game that uses playing cards um, do a GMless game do a you know like I just different things that I've done and then I was like okay now do a solo game so um, I'm nervous <laughs> as we record this the Kickstarter has not launched yet as you're listening to this the Kickstarter is underway and I have yes. no idea how well. Th- or how poorly this thing's doing. Um, so I just, uh, 
you know, I'm, I hope it does well. I look forward to the possibility of exploring uh, this type of game again, um, because it was, it was a lot of fun to develop. It was a great change of pace from a lot of the stuff that I've done before. Um, and uh, just by the nature of it and my own insecurities over whether or not I could produce what I needed to produce, it gave me the opportunity uh, to work with Shireen. Um, in a more direct way, as opposed to like, here's a freelancing assignment, write these things. And then she just flushes it out. We, there, there was a lot of back and forth on this. Um, and there were big chunks of it that were kind of all Shireen. So yeah. um, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> let's, cool. let's hope it does well. Yeah, I want to do a sequel. I, I, really, I want to do a sequel. I think Shireen does too. I really do. Um, I mean, this is the first game that I've been involved in like writing sort of from the ground up. So it's uh it's very exciting and um i really like it and i put a lot into it you know i i really put put a lot of thought and heart into all the things i wrote so um yeah i i really hope it's doing well and i hope people are sort of seeing the potential in it and and uh potentially looking forward to enjoying it absolutely i'm you know, all right. It's it's gonna be doing great. All right. I, I, you know, it, it's yeah. It's it's, it's super, already funded. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> I think you guys got something really neat here. Uh, I think uh, solar RPGs. I think they continue to get more and more popular, and I think this is gonna fill a hole that uh, I think people are missing. So super cool. Uh, super excited for it. So folks, if you're listening right now, go check out the secrets or secrets of the vibrant aisle on Kickstarter. Now all the links will be in the show notes as usual. Uh, uh, Shireen, where can people find you on the internet? If they want to see what you're working on. Uh, yeah, you can find me as mad fishmonger. And, uh, I have a, if you want to see all my links, it's linktree slash mad fishmonger. Um, yeah. And you just, just look for me as mad fishmonger. I'm pretty much that everywhere. Cool. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll include all that stuff in the show notes. Craig, uh, where can folks find you? I am at NerdBurgerCraig on Twitter. Uh, the website is NerdBurgerGames.com. You can buy the games at DriveThruRPG.com. However, if you're planning to back this, uh, make sure to check the add-ons and things because there's a bunch of the game stuff that we've done before that's kind of available as add-ons at a discount. So um, a lot of great ways to get other games that we've produced, um, including um, some of the things that Shireen has worked on. And... Uh, then after the Kickstarter is done, if you're listening to this and the Kickstarter is no longer going on, then go to drive through RPG and, and buy the games there. Folks go get secrets of the vibrant aisle. And then, yeah, like Greg said, yeah, go get some of my personal favorites, go get die laughing. All right, just do it. All right. So anyway, go get them all. So uh, folks, as always, you can follow me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter. Yes. That's Mandalorian metal Tom on Twitter. And as always do not forget if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.
The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.